Welcome to Punches and Punchlines, where we break down the best fights with a sense of humor. And now, your hosts, Fritz and Franco. Welcome back to Punches and Punchlines. Fritz and I are going to be, unfortunately, jumping on into one of the weirder cards that we've probably watched, where we had uh, a bunch of really good fighters, some of them going up against people who weren't that great, and then... Unfortunately, we saw the YouTuber versus the MMA guy to headline a huge show in Cleveland. Are you uh, you ready to get into this one, Fritz? I'm, I'm curious to see how you feel about some of the fights. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you know, we keep our sense of humor and, uh, you know, some of this was a joke. So let's uh, let's get into it. Tommy Fury, 22 years old, coming in at six and O versus Anthony Taylor. Age unknown record. O and one. <laughs> All right, Franco, this kicked off the pay-per-view version of this carnival card. Yeah, I thought that Tommy Fury was going to look really good against a guy who'd only boxed once before, and he didn't. Um, (laughs) You know, he won, but it was uh, kind of a sloppy fight, and they kept telling us, like, oh, well, he only had 12 amateur bouts, and he's kind of learning as a professional, but he's undefeated. You know, they kept saying that, but let's, uh, let's dive into who Fury has beaten before he got to Anthony Taylor. Okay. Fury's first win was the guy was 0-9, all right? Mm. His second win, uh, you think he stepped up in competition, Franco? Uh, I'm going to go with no, and I'm hoping it's not one of these guys that we get every once in a while. What's the record? Nope, this guy was 0 and 11. All right. Okay. I was I was thinking hundreds in the losses, so not as bad. Okay. So the next guy, uh, he did step up a little bit. This guy had two wins. Okay. His next opponent and 26 losses. Oh. So not, uh, not, you know, but he made the step up. All right. The next fight uh, took a step back again. No. Not against O26 and two. And two. <laughs> yeah. So the guy pulled out two draws. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> now his, uh, his next win came against a guy with 10 wins, Franco. Can you believe it? 10 wins. I can't. That's a lot of wins. That's more than that, I have. Yeah. Uh, you want to guess on the losses? Uh, I'm going to guess the guy was like 10 and five, you know, like a good competitor for him. Uh, that, that I mean, that would be a good guess. It would be wrong. Um, <laughs> he had 10 times as many losses as he had uh, wins. No. So the gentleman was 10 and 102. All right. Holy, see, that's what I was expecting. One of those. Yeah. Oh. And, and you got it. Yeah. His sixth win came against a guy two and oh, but I'm betting that guy that was two and oh beat the 10 and one Oh two guy. And, uh, you know, <laughs> probably the and 26 guy as well. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't know whether, you know, at the end of his fight fury was like, Oh, let's fight, you know, YouTuber let's do this. Maybe that's his calling because I, I can't see him stepping in against another real boxer and doing anything good though. You know, the nice thing I'll say about Anthony Taylor, pretty boy Anthony Taylor, is I thought it was cool that he was wearing Vera Bradley to the to the ring. You know what I mean? Like he had a really nice Vera Bradley get up. Like if there was going to be a boxer that my wife would enjoy, it would probably be this guy and his Vera Bradley. Stuff. I was about to make fun of Vera Bradley, and then you mentioned that your wife wears it or that oh, she, she likes it. Vera. Yeah, Kristen loves it too. Luckily, she's starting to slowly back away from it. But every once in a while, we still get sucked into the store. Uh, So, yeah, I agree with you. This fight not only looked like a joke, but it was a joke. Like the size discrepancy between the two of them. Fury was six foot. Taylor is a little bit shorter than me. And I'm a small dude. Five, six and a half. Uh, it, it, It looked dumb. 
the crowd wasn't like buying into it. They were raining booze down like after the third round. It was dumb. Like the, Fury dominated the fight, but that's not saying much. Like it was just not a fun fight to watch. It wasn't anything entertaining. Like sometimes we get these freak show fights and at least for like laughing and, and making fun of it. This was just it was lame. And then afterwards, like it should have ended early. This was set up for Fury to go in there, knock out Taylor right away. And then it didn't happen. Like Kanye dropped Donda after months of everybody waiting, but Fury could not drop Taylor. But like Donda, they both sucked and were disappointing once they finally did come out. It was a terrible fight. He called out Jake Paul. Who cares? Like, really? You just want a payday? Good for you. But both guys suck. Like, all of it sucks. Fury's a reality star. Jake Paul might as well be a reality star like he's a youtuber but he also does all this reality type stuff uh it, this was like one of the parts that was very frustrating for me daniel dubois 23 years old coming in at 16 and one versus giuseppe cusimano 33 years old coming in at 19 and three <laughs> Now, Franco, this was not a long fight at all. We'll probably end up talking about it longer than the fight actually ended or it lasted. Dubois is a legit heavyweight, okay? Yes. He has fought some some good competition and has beat good competition. Also, got beat by Joe Joyce in a, in a yeah. good match, okay? It was a great fight. Yeah, he was, he was winning that match, I think, against Joyce, but Joyce was just knew his game plan and stuck to it and just kept jabbing that same eye. Yeah. And broke his face, you know, and it's it's tough to uh tough to keep going with a broken face. So yeah. I am a fan of Daniel Dubois. He's uh is a humble dude with a lot of skill, and I did not see this going past the first round. Truth be told, I threw money on uh Dubois KO one and I won. So nice. that was that was really nice. How did that you pay know, off? It uh it was uh two to one. So okay. my, uh, my $20 bet paid out 60. It was nice. Uh, <laughs> I decided to place that bet after I saw uh, Giuseppe walk into the ring. You know, <laughs> I sat there and watched it with our buddy Rob. And he's like, did this guy just get off shift of making pizzas? Like, <laughs> he does not look like a real boxer. And I was like, you might be right, but uh, I'm going to take the money I would have spent on my next pizza and put it on this first round knockout. Yeah, he was actually Sicilian from Virginia with that in and of itself is kind of weird. I also like Daniel Dubois. I think he's a great fighter. We've liked the fights that we've seen him in. Very classy, very professional dude. And uh, even though he whooped the living hell out of this dude, like in my notes, all I wrote down was that Dubois murdered a man on pay-per-view because that's basically what this was. On the on the last knockdown, so there were three knockdowns before the referee finally stopped it. But on the third one, he punched him like a good four times on the way down. Like he, he landed the knockout blow and then came in with the second, third and was able to get like a fourth shot in before the dude hit the mat. That's how fast he was throwing. It was super impressive. Yeah, Giuseppe, I don't think we will ever be seeing the pizza flipper again because that dude did not look good at all. It was like it was embarrassingly bad. He was just out of shape. I don't know. The only thing that was kind of I was semi curious about was like his family background. How did the Sicilian family end up in Virginia and they didn't assimilate enough that his name was Giuseppe Angelo. That that seemed like a bit of a stretch to me. You would think he would be trying to blend in with the locals and he would have ended up being named Bill or something like that, you know, but no, they went with Giuseppe. Ivan Baranchek, 28 years old, coming in at 20 and 2 versus Montana Love, 26 years old, coming in at 15, 0 and 1. <laughs> All right. Now, I liked everything I saw from Montana Love in this fight. 
outside of his stupid furry shorts. Uh, <laughs> I liked everything I was seeing from him. Hmm. He got hit a couple times by some good shots from Branchek. Yeah. And uh, was able to keep his feet. So he proved to me early that he had a chin. And I don't like early stoppages, but this one, I could not have agreed with his corner anymore. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He had just come back from the fight of the year in 2020, where he got knocked out cold against yeah. Cepeda for uh, talking about Baranchek now. And I really am a fan of Ivan Baranchek, but they were talking about like in his training that they were teaching him to try to not be so aggressive, you know, still kind of wait back and box before he started jumping in. I think he was kind of in between and in between is a terrible place to be. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't sure whether he should be going in or settling back and he ended up in between. And I think that in between spot was where he ended up taking some shots. I do think that the biggest damage or at least where the damage started was at the break. Uh, Love landed a shot right after the break and at the bell where it was like, uh, I get it that that was one, two, but I see where Branchek's guard was down because he had just been, been, been told to break, you know, it was a sucker punch yeah he got sucker punched (laughs) just because i am such a fan of branchick if this was his last fight i just want to like say thank you to him for the good fights that he has put forward he really was just a fun 140 pound boxer if he is going to come back here's what i would just say please pick a lane you know be either the the beast that you that you were early on and just going forward or hang back and be the boxer you can't be the in-between and that's just completely my opinion of why i thought he got hurt Mm -hmm. but i completely agreed with this corner where his guy wasn't even going to debate it he was like after he got up from that knockdown he was woozy all right and came to the corner woozy and his trainer just started taking his gloves off. He's like, nope, that's it. And the announcer's like, oh, I, they, they might be stopping this. Like, no, he's already taking his gloves yeah. off. Like, he, he was using no his teeth about this. Yeah, he was using his teeth to take them off. Right. The trainer was. Right. Yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying about him needing to pick a lane. Because for those first three rounds, it reminded me a lot of Loma versus Teofimo, where he was like being patient, but it was almost too patient. Like to the point where it's like, oh man, like this could end up either being dangerous or you're going to end up going to the cards and losing on points. But either way, this isn't you, but I also get it. You know what I mean? Like that last fight was brutal. It's one of my favorite fights of all time. But part of that is because his brain got for real scrambled. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, I don't know. I I was getting very worried but I had faith in Ivan Branchek to be able to beat Love. Love is extremely talented. He has a lot of things in his arsenal. Branchek was missing so many shots where he would just launch this monster punch and he'd end up punching just air or punching the ropes because right. Love was gone. And that was super impressive. Part I didn't like was in the third round, that sucker punch, because the referee was literally in between them and was pushing them apart time to break. And Love reaches around him and punched him up to make him stumble. He straightened up. Right. How was a point not taken away? And the announcers are like, oh, this referee is is a newer guy. He's inexperienced. The inexperience is showing. He's only done five fights before. What is he doing on a pay-per-view? Right. You've only done five fights in the past. And now you're doing a pay-per-view in front of a huge crowd in Cleveland. To me, that felt crappy. Well, it's not easy to get people to go to Cleveland, Franco. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, it's not the quite the tourist destination that you might think. And here's the, the one other criticism that I'll give of Montana Love. There was a couple times where I think that he had Branchek stunned and he mm-hmm. started celebrating. It was like, dude, just win this fight. If you want to go up and call for Josh Taylor and guys like that, you start celebrating just when you stun those dudes. 
they're going to destroy you. All right. Yeah. So you need to just save the celebrating for the end. I agree a hundred percent that he's a talented dude. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot more from Montana Love. I, I wanted to like him because of the talent, but with the showboating, even the crowd, he's from Cleveland and the crowd started chanting USA. And I'm like, is he wearing USA shorts? Is he like super patriotic? I'm going to guess no. For a lot of these things, there was nothing. The only reason they were chanting USA is because Branchek is from Russia. And, you know, it's like you're not chanting USA because Montana Love is from USA. You're just going against the Russian dude because you're a bunch of racist hillbillies from Cleveland and your city is a cesspool. You, you're upset because you're losing the racist name to your baseball team rather than it being named after something that's actually in your city the guardians on the bridge. So you know what? I, there was so much about this that I I was so upset, especially because I really do like Branchek. And so to see him end like this uh, at the end of the fight, you know, Love did connect a clean shot. The shot that ended the fight was completely clean. It was based purely off of talent. Love but that. the the rounds leading up to that, Branchek didn't look the same anymore after the sucker punch. So when I scored it, I actually counted like I took away a point. And even with that, it wouldn't have mattered because he was still behind on the cards. Love just looked good. I am looking forward to see him again, but hopefully he matures a little bit more. He's 26. So it's not like he's a baby. He needs to take it more seriously. He was in there with a legit dude before the fight. He was very honest about being in there with a legit dude. And then during the fight, like you said, he was acting like a clown and pumping his chest and throwing his hands up in the air. And then Branchett came back and made him pay for it more than once. That's right. the only reason I would maybe want to see the fight keep going. But at the same time, safety is first. And we don't need to see Branchett lose his life because he decided to go in there for another round. It wouldn't have been worth it. YouTube Jake, 24 years old, coming in at 4-0. and 3-0. Oh. 3-0. There's quotation marks around it anyway because he hasn't fought a boxer. <laughs> Versus Tyron, UFC, MMA guy. 39 years old, making his boxing debut. <laughs> All right, Franco, this uh, turned out to be the shit show that I was expecting it to be. And... I would have gone to bed after the Serrano fight if uh, our buddy Rob hadn't come by wanting to watch the last fight. So uh, here's what I saw. A uh, YouTuber can actually punch, mm -hmm. okay? But he clearly ran out of gas before the fourth round was even over. He was breathing so heavy. It looked like a fat guy who had, had gone up like four or five flights of stairs, you know, just like... <sighs> <laughs> you know, like just completely sucking in way too much wind. And for Tyron, he looked like he could have gone another eight rounds. And as I've said in the past, that's not a good thing. You know, like when somebody's like, oh, look how fresh he looks. Yeah. Well, you knew how long the fight was. Empty the tank, man. It, he hurt the YouTuber and actually should have been scored a knockdown because he only the ropes kept him up. Other than that, like I saw the first part of the fight going all uh, all YouTube, you know, and then after that almost knockdown, there was, you know, those middle couple rounds that it should have gone that it went to Tyron. But I only think it was two or three to Tyron. And I, I, I don't disagree with the. Uh, two of these judges, you know, like it, the right guy ended up walking out of this ring with the win. Yeah. There were a couple of instances that uh, kind of upset me. The big one that everybody's talking about is that round four, when, as you call him, the YouTuber got knocked back into the ropes and got shook up for real thing is it should have been a knockdown. Like he hit the ropes, like, you know, like a professional wrestler, like he was going to pull off his finishing move, right? That's how hard he hit the ropes. And for it to not be called a knockdown was just another instance on this card of these referees that they had included. Cleveland, Ohio, the cesspool of America, you know, like, I don't know where they found these dudes, 
but they were terrible. And they kept not calling these knockdowns in the previous fight. I forgot to mention one dude kept sitting on the ropes and they weren't counting them as knockdowns. Same thing happened in this one. Maybe the rules are different in Ohio. You know, you can uh, you can go all the way down, sit on the bottom rope and kick the guy in the ankles. And it's still not a knockdown. They'll count it either way. So I counted it as a knockdown. And even with that, I still had Jake Paul as winning. So the fact that one judge had it the other way is not only silly, but then the Internet, tons of people. I get it. Like everyone wants the YouTuber to lose. But then there were so many people are like, oh, Woodley got robbed. Woodley clearly won. I don't I don't think you uh, shelled out the billions of dollars for this pay-per-view. Because he didn't win. You know, the YouTuber clearly took it, uh, not by a lot. He didn't look great. It wasn't fun. It wasn't entertaining to watch. The only thing that was kind of cool was he had like light up LCD shorts with his name scrolling across that. I wouldn't mind seeing other dudes having that. That was that was kind of neat. Yeah. I think the biggest winners were the people that went went to bed after the Serrano fight. You know who the biggest losers were besides all of us who had to watch it? Barstool was there and they had their own little booth set up and they kept giving advice for their bets. And every single one was so wrong. And as the night went on, like all of a sudden their ties were undone and then their hair was messed up and they just, and then they're like, all right, I get it. You know, we just lost 10 grand on that last fight. We gave bad advice. We were wrong. But this next one, this is where we make our money back. And then they'd lose again (laughs) and they just kept losing. So then their final bit of advice was uh, Jake Paul with the knockout in like the first or second round, something like that. So they lost all their money the entire night. I hope that Showtime paid them well. If anybody's to blame for this entire farce of a show, except for the undercard, you know, they're they're, like I said, they were talented boxers. But to put this as the quote unquote headliner, we're not going to treat it as the headliner here on our show. That's why we're putting it before the real headliner. But I blame Showtime, Mauro Vernalo, Al Bernstein. Jimmy Lennon Jr., like all these classy, like top tier people that even treated this like something other than a carnival, they should have been crapping on it the entire time. And instead, they were professional, which is more than I could ever be, but they were professional and they treated this like a legitimate fight the entire way through. They should have been crapping on this so that all the younger, casual, quote unquote, casual fans that watch this, so that they would know this isn't normal. This is trash. The fact that you're following this because you like this guy is okay, but this isn't what good boxing looks like. They should have done that and they didn't. Amanda Serrano, 32 years old, coming in at 41 and 1, versus Yamaleth Mercado, 23 years old, coming in at 18 and 2. Now, Franco, before this fight even started, I wondered who beat Amanda Serrano, all right? Okay. She's got one loss on her record. So I, I did a deep dive, and it was in 2012, she lost to Frida Wahlberg. And for anybody that is uh, not familiar with her, I just did a little bit of uh, research that day. She beat Serrano. She was the champ. And then in her next title defense, she uh, suffered a brain hemorrhage and has never fought since uh, there is a, a movie about her on amazon called golden girl that was her alias so uh i'm gonna be checking that out but i just thought that that was interesting that the one girl that the beat serrano will uh never get a chance you know serrano will never get the chance to uh face her and uh eliminate that that one you know but uh that's enough about serrano well 
for that's enough about Wahlberg, let's say, because this whole fight was about Serrano. She is just she was way better than Mercado. I had it uh nine rounds to one because I I love the heart of Mercado where I'm like, I have to give her one of these, you know. Okay. You know, Serrano was chopping to the body like she always does, mm-hmm. and she was just better. Like, I don't make uh, a secret about it. She's my favorite female boxer, but also one of my favorite just plain boxers. That's it. She was wonderful and she dominated. You know, Mercado came up and wait to try to take this on. She didn't embarrass herself. That's the only thing I'll say is that she hung in there. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one that embarrassed themselves was uh, Amanda Serrano's trainer. He was acting like yes. an asshole and it was embarrassing. It was horribly embarrassing. After the fight, he ends up jumping in there and he goes on like a rant, like he cut off Amanda, got on the mic and there they asked him, you know, oh, there was some kind of a scuffle over in the corner between all the different trainers. What was that about? And then he starts crapping on, on Mercado. Blew my mind. I couldn't believe what he was saying. So he grabs the microphone and he starts saying how they're used to Mexican fighters. You know, they're famous because they press forward and they bring the action and Mexican fighters are tough. So he was just surprised that Mercado was going backwards the whole time, that that's not a real Mexican fighter and that she was embarrassing. Bro, she went toe to toe with Amanda Serrano for the entire fight. Yeah, she was backing up because she would that, you know, that was her game plan. And it was she was trying to time her fights. And at no point did she stop fighting and quit. She didn't hit the mat at all, which that alone was like a victory. She was I think it was by the fourth round. Mercado had eaten like 22 body shots and not landed any. And the only thing I could think of, maybe she ate like a whole peck of tortillas and that gave her like Mexican superpowers in the belly. And she just didn't feel any of the punches to begin with. Yeah. At one point during his stupid uh, post fight comments, he was like, yeah, she should, you know, she wasn't coming forward like a warrior. You know, she showed no heart. And I was like, all she showed was heart. Yeah. You know, like you're a dipshit and he really, the only one that should be embarrassed is, is that dude, whatever his name is. I don't give a shit. Like it was, it was just low bar, low class. And Amanda Serrano, she couldn't have been more gracious in her post fight. You know, she's like, Hey, Cleveland, I hope, I hope you enjoyed the fight. You know, she was super humble. Mm -hmm. Uh, She got the victory. She dominated and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't have to trash talk. She's just that good. She's just like, Hey, I was better. Yamaleth tried to come up and you know, sometimes you're, you're just not ready for that next weight class. That's why there are weight classes. Like she is the champ at her weight class, but you know, that even that little step up of, of four pounds or five pounds is a big deal, man. Yeah. I thought, you know, I thought Mercado looked better than what I thought she was going to look like. Me too. You know, I thought it was going to be another Amanda Serrano knocking some poor woman's head into the third row then the blood sprays everywhere like Mortal Kombat and the fight is over. And instead, Mercado, yeah, she was backing up at points, but then she would also come in and engage. And when she did engage, you know, it didn't at no point did it look like Amanda Serrano was going to get knocked out or something like that. But Mercado still went toe to toe with her. And like you said, she's one of the best in the world at what she does. So for her to just stand there and go for the entire distance of the fight was super impressive for her to take all those body shots and keep going like I don't even know that I saw her flinch from a body shot and they were landing flush. Like it was rough. Yeah. She was doing more body shots than like spring break. You know what I mean? Like it was, uh, uh, <laughs> it was quite a thing. Yeah. Well, and then like in the ninth round, she got her eye or it was cut underneath her eye on her cheek. Yeah. She had a pretty decent gash and just kept going. Like it was nothing. I was really impressed with Mercado and with, Ser- with Serrano. I think my favorite thing about the fight going the distance is again, the barstool guys bet on the TKO 
and they did not get their money. She still gets the win and they lose like, I want to say they bet like $20,000 or something like that. So that part made me really happy too. Yeah. I only bet 20 on the uh, Serrano by knockout. And so, you know, <laughs> I didn't feel great about the decision, but I was, uh, anytime I can watch an Amanda Serrano fight, I'm in like, this is the absolute reason why I bought this pay-per-view. I am not going to miss an Amanda Serrano fight. The bonus for me was having Ivan Branchek on the card. I was like, mm -hmm. I love that dude. And then I got to see Daniel Dubois again, you know? So the, just those three alone were worth the, the price of this pay-per-view. And, you know, as much as we do shit on both YouTube brothers, I will give Jake Paul credit in this one thing. I won't. No, well, you, you might. I won't. Uh, in, the, in the one interview, he was saying, you know, I get it. Like, I'm a clown. And I kind of play this character where I'm a bad guy because people want to see me lose. I'm an internet troll and it's what I do. But while I have that spotlight on me, my goal is to bring in other people and put a spotlight on them. And Amanda Serrano is one of the best female boxers in the world. And I want to be able to put a positive light on female boxing. And if it's because a bunch of people hate me, you know, if I can bring viewers to her and then people become fans of her, that just makes it better for everybody. And I can't disagree with that. Like that, if you're a, a piece of shit asshole, but you're going to draw attention or you're just going to draw viewers to something, right? Put it on somebody like an Amanda Serrano, put it on somebody like a Katie Taylor that, you know, not everybody in the world knows about these fighters. You don't see them on Sports Center. So any kind of attention that you can draw to them, and then when they come up again, people know their name, and then they end up with more fans. Amanda Serrano was so classy after this fight, the way she was thinking everybody, the way she was talking about how this is a big moment for women's sports, and then her trainer crapped all over it. And when they gave the mic back to her, he was still trying to talk into right. the microphone over his shoulder. I hope that she gets rid of him. That dude was trash. It was embarrassing. I was embarrassed for her but even then she was still able to hand handle it in a really classy way well thanks everybody for listening to us rant about this carnival pay-per-view there was some really good boxing on it there was some not so good boxing on it but we still had some fun join us next week we'll be breaking down uh warrington lara 2 and uh some of the best fights from september 4th weekend yeah we've got warrington we've got jesus ramos and brian mendoza um i haven't really looked at the undercards so we'll have to pick and choose if anybody has anything that they think that we should be checking out from this weekend any fights that you want us to break down make sure you hit us up on instagram twitter send us a text message if you know us that well and uh, let us know you know if, if there's something that catches your eye shoot us a message and tell us to break it down and we'll try our best to be able to do that see everybody next week thanks for listening thank you for listening to punches and punchlines make sure you like subscribe and comment and we'll see you again next week when we break down the best fights with a sense of humor